Well, good morning, everyone. So nice to see you today. I noticed by the clock, first service, you don't have much time, do you? Boy, you got to get at it. I mean, goodness gracious. It's good to see the other half of the church this morning. Um, Don and I usually attend the second service, and so it's good to see all of you that sometimes we don't uh, get to see on a weekly basis. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being a part of this church. You know, when you fly, a lot of times they'll say, um, at the end of the flight, the attendant will say, thank you for flying Southwest. We know that you have a choice of airlines, and we're glad that you have chosen us. Well, we all have a choice of churches too, and you can find just about anything and everything out there that you want. You can find high church, you can find big choirs, you can find road preachers, if uh, purple mohawks seem to be your thing, I'm sure there's a pastor out there somewhere with a purple mohawk these days. And you can find just about uh, anything that, that you would be looking for. But I'm rather partial to this place. It has a lot of wonderful, wonderful people. It has a lot of uh, hardworking people here that just give of themselves and their time so much and are such a blessing to the uh, great work of the Lord. I'm rather partial to the pastor here also. I know him quite well, and I can vouch and tell you that he's a good guy. When he's behind the pulpit, when he's not behind the pulpit. It's, um, it always makes me feel real good. From time to time, I will be at certain places that have known Brian from prior to his days of ministry. And they'll ask me how he's doing, and they always have wonderful things. Oh, Brian, and they just have wonderful things to say about him. So I'm glad that as I go about the city that I never have to worry when somebody says, are you Brian's dad? That I don't have to worry about what's, what, could come, what could come next. And that's a good thing. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3 that a minister should have a good report of them that are without, apt to teach. And this is one place I believe that you will find good, solid, Bible-based teaching that is done in love, but is done with courage and steadfastness to the Word of the Lord. So we're happy for all of those things today. Let me, let me give you a little <clears throat> report um, concerning the capital campaign uh, a lot of us gave to the capital campaign, and, and I think that I've heard that, you know, several people in the church were thinking, well, I'm nearing retirement years, and my income isn't going to be as good, and, and all of that, and, and I was among that number, you know. I figured out and decided if I were to totally retire, Don and I could probably eat for about three and a half months, and... Uh, <laughs> Not quite that bad, but you know, you don't know how long you're going to live, right? And so um, we gave, and um, I have never been one to look for a payback. You know what I mean? I've never been one to say, okay, God, now you remember what I did, now it's your turn. No, you know why? My life has been blessed. If I don't ever get anything extra, my life has been blessed. But I just want to tell you that, that this past week, just out of the clear blue, I received a sizable 
monetary deal that I had no idea was coming, that I no more expected, and I thought, look at that. Look at that. You just simply cannot beat God giving. And whether something like that happens to you or not, I can guarantee you that you'll be blessed, and God will reward you, and God will, will take care of you. David that we're going to look at today, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Okay, let's get to the message. Mephibosheth from Lodibar to Caviar. That's such a Brian uh, subject, isn't it? You see Brian preaching something like that from Lodibar to, I will admit I got a little cutesy on the subject title. Actually, I, I, I rather struggled with it. I I couldn't come up with a title, and I wrote down several things, and none of them seemed to hit. And I was sitting there, and just all of a sudden, from Lodibar to Caviar, I knew it had to be a God thing. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we did. And I hope as we go through this uh, lesson today that maybe you'll get it a little more later than perhaps you might today. But what we hope to do today is as we meditate upon King David's kindness to Mephibosheth, I hope that we can come to understand and appreciate more than ever God's gracious treatment of all of us. The life of David is so intriguing, one of the most interesting people in the Bible, I would say. When Brian asked me to preach, he said, Dad, you can pick any story that you want to out of the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. There are some really wonderful things there. And and my, that was quite, to pare all of that down and filter that down to one thing, I thought, my goodness, there are so many great and wonderful stories. But it seemed as though, and I, I don't remember ever in all the years, I don't remember ever preaching on Mephibosheth, but it just really kind of struck in my heart. First Samuel Chapter 16 tells us that God had rejected Saul as being king of Israel. And as a result of that, the Lord sent the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse. And he said to Samuel, I have provided me a king among his sons. Perhaps you will remember Jesse parading his sons, eight sons in total, I believe, seven besides David, before Samuel. And even though some look like they might qualify and perhaps would appear to have all the characteristics that one would want in a king, none were God's chosen. Samuel did not feel it. Samuel asked Jesse, do you have any others? These don't seem to be God's chosen. He said, well, there's just one, one young lad out taking care of the sheep. He's a shepherd boy. And uh, so Samuel asked Jesse to call for him. When David came before Samuel, the Lord said to him, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Have you noticed through the word of the Lord that sometimes God seemingly uses the most ordinary and what would appear sometimes as being the most unqualified to be set apart for his service? God does not call us according to our credentials. He calls us according to our availability. 
and what we have in our heart. The Bible says about David, as Samuel knew that he was the chosen of the Lord, and he anointed him to be king over Israel. It says that the spirit of the Lord came up on him from that day forward. I like that. When you are called of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord comes on you, and it remains on you. Even with all of his foibles later in life, even when he had sinned and in his great despair, when David went to the Lord in repentance, he asked the Lord, take not thy holy presence, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And God didn't. He honored his repentant heart. You will recall as a shepherd boy that David had stories about killing the bear, about killing the lion, and that it was he who came and slew the giant Goliath when all of Israel were afraid of the Philistines. And as a result of that, the hearts of the people were turned from Saul toward David, and Saul became very, very jealous to the point that he sought to kill David. And Saul's life became a downward spiral. One day chosen of the Lord and then later in life going to such a terrible place. He went so far that he consulted with the witch of Endor. Let me stop and say that's something that every Christian should stay as far away as possible. And that is anything to do with sorcery, anything to do with witchcraft, Anything to do with all of that mess, not a good thing for a Christian to entangle themselves. I want you to know that our lives are not determined by what our horoscope says in the dispatch every morning when we wake up. Our lives are determined because we're called by his name, because we're filled with his spirit, and because he watches over us and he guides us throughout our days. So it went on and on with Saul trying to, trying to kill David. And three of his sons, including David's close friend, Jonathan, with whom David was so, so close, died with the Philistines. And finally, the road to Mount Gilboa, Mount Gilboa came to an end. As Saul, realizing that the Philistines were prevailing, fell upon his own sword and took his life on Mount Gilboa. The scripture says, how are the mighty fallen? Eventually, David became king. Right away, no, 15 years in fact, after he was first anointed. Do you feel that God might have a work for you to do? Do you wonder why it's not happening, why things aren't unfolding. Just be patient. David, from the time that he was anointed till the time that he actually became king, there was a 15-year interval between those two things. You see, God has to build you before he builds your ministry. God has to build you before he builds your ministry. There's nothing any worse than somebody getting ahead of God's timetable. 
There's nothing any worse than somebody just a stomping and a fussing and just carrying on. I want to do this. I'm going to do that. I want this position. I want that position. The Bible tells us that a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. If you feel a desire to do something for the Lord, you feel a call of God upon your life, just stay close to him. Just stay close to the Lord. And in due time, he will bring you forth. During their years of friendship, deep friendship, I might add, David made a covenant with Jonathan, Saul's son, to show kindness to all of his descendants. And that brings us to our scripture verse for today, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David said, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? You see, usually when there was a change of kingship in those days, the king would utterly destroy anyone from the previous reign, in this case the house of of Saul because they were a potential threat to the new king. They could become an adversary. So they would kill all of the king's family and anyone that was that close to the king. They would just wipe them out and be done with it. We're going to go forward from here. And you know, that, that can be a problem in many, many areas of life. Um, don't you hate it when a, when a former president sticks his nose into the current president's business? That just kind of said a little strange. Just go home. I honor George W. for doing that. He went home and he stayed home. And he had very little to say about any current situation. Nothing worse than a pastor retiring staying in that church and giving the new pastor fits. Go home. Your time has come. Your time has gone. Forget about it. <laughs> so, they didn't fool with it back in those days. They just wiped you out. If you were part of the family, the king wasn't in power anymore. Tough luck for you. So, so what happened? What happened to Mephibosheth? The nurse was trying to, to hide him and get away, and she, she ran off to, to protect his life. And she stumbled and fell, and Mephibosheth became a cripple. And he remained a cripple all the days of his life. David's main purpose in inquiring as to whether anyone was left in the house of Saul was for one reason, to show him kindness. His overriding passion was to show kindness. Isn't that something? Instead of wanting to, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may slay them? No, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show them kindness? How unusual, how extraordinary to show kindness to your former adversary. Remember the old song, what the world needs now is sweet forget the, hang the love. Could we start out with a little kindness first? Treat me kindly, I might learn to love you. If I treat you kindly, you might learn to love me. I hope that we haven't gotten away from just being kind. 
the Bible says, be ye kind one to another. Kindness is also a fruit of the Spirit. Are you not a kind person? Do you not do kind things? If so, maybe you need a little more of his Spirit in your life. How many have ever cut somebody off in traffic and you didn't mean to, it just happened, you pulled out, oh my goodness, I didn't see that guy. How many's done that? Haven't we all done that? And you made it, what's likely to happen when you do that? <clears throat> You're liable to get all kinds of gestures. <laughs> President Reagan, in his inaugural parade, got a gesture similar to what we get when we pull out in traffic. And he said to those, look at that guy. He thinks I'm number one. (laughs) Oh, to be that positive. (laughs) To To be that positive. No, we're liable to hear, if it's summertime, the windows are down, not too hot, you might hear, what's the matter with you, you stupid idiot, you jerk? on and on and on. Now let me ask all of us, how about when somebody pulls out in front of you? Then what? You know, not everybody that does that has done it on purpose. Not everybody realizes that um, you were there and they cut you off or they did something and and what have you. Um. I remember 1965, Donna and I were married. We went where everybody went for their honeymoon. That was Niagara Falls. And on our way to Niagara Falls, I don't remember what happened, but somebody in a vehicle did something that was not good. And we were, I had come to a stop. Well, I hauled my 135 pound self out of that car I made, started to make a little trip back to have a little chat with that fella. He hauled his 275-pound frame out of his car. <laughs> and I just took my little 135-pound self and put it right back in the car where it came from. <laughs> Honestly, I had a guy not too long ago. I was on 270, and I exited he was in a big truck, and there was a long line, and, and I had gone over, I had stayed in the left lane. And there, I don't know why trucks do this, but, you know, sometimes they'll hold up a real line of traffic and have a big space between. Have you noticed that? And so I was going to exit, and I pulled over. I thought I had plenty of room. Boy, it ticked him off. I mean, he got out of his car. He came up. He started all kinds of stuff and started beating on my vehicle, just, just a pounder. Presence of the Lord was with me. I just maintained my cool. And I kept my 275-pound self in my vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Be ye kind one to another. You remember Glenn Campbell? Glenn Campbell had a song years ago. Need to try a little kindness. Let's listen to that right now. Is that all right? Let's listen to little Glenn Campbell here in Sunday school today. (laughs) 
you see your brother standing by the road with a heavy load from the seeds he sowed. And if you see your sister falling by the way, just stop and say, when you're going the wrong way. Kindness. Why don't you practice the person next to you right now? Say something kind. Something kind. You're beautiful, honey. <laughs> I love you. <clears throat> Mephibosheth, son of jo Jonathan, was shown mercy because of his father, not because of anything he had done. Mephibosheth received a blessing because the king knew his father and was very, very close friend. You realize that a lot of times we receive blessings that have nothing at all to do with us, but because of others in our life. It happens all the time. Some time ago I was <clears throat> talking to uh, a lady that we're not real close, but we're, we're distant relatives, distant cousins of some sort, removed, whatever, I don't know. But you have heard me uh, perhaps talk about my maternal grandparents by time, who was a minister and just a very unique man, very loved throughout. But on my paternal side, that was not the case. My grandmother bird knew the Lord, but my grandpa did not. He drank a lot, and he, he just wasn't that nice of a guy. But my grandma knew the Lord and walked with the Lord, and the lady that I was talking to, when she was a little girl, her family had run into some difficulty. Their dad left, 
They had no place to go. And my grandmother took in that family and they stayed with her. And she was telling me how kind my grandmother was to her and things that she had learned from her. And she told me that every night she would hear my grandmother pray and she would pray for her family. You knew I wouldn't get through a message without tearing up someplace, right? (laughs) And the thing that struck my heart was she said that she would pray for her family and then she would say, and for generations yet unborn. For generations yet unborn. You know who that is? That's Brian. That's Nathan. That's Aaron and Austin and Noah and Charlotte and Graham. For generations that my grandmother never saw, never knew, but she had prayed, Lord, bless generations yet unborn. My 93-year-old mother prays for her family every night, calls our name in prayer. Many blessings that I have received in my life are a result of nothing that I have done, but because of others in my life who have helped me and prayed for me. And like Mephibosheth, I am a recipient of blessings because of others. And I'll imagine you are too. Second Samuel 9, 3, the king said, is there yet anyone in the house of the Saul that I may show kindness? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said, who is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Mature, the son of Amiel and Lobidar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mature, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, here is your servant. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> Mephibosheth lived in exile, a fugitive, so to speak. He was afraid that being a descendant of the former King Saul would put his life in jeopardy. Usually our circumstance in life are a result of one of two things, either our own actions or the action of someone else over which we had no control. Sometimes we get ourselves in a mess, do we not? By the things that we do, by the things that we say, by the things that we don't do or don't say that we should, and so we have nobody to blame but ourselves for where we find ourselves in life. We have nobody to blame but us. But then there are other times, and this is sad, that people find themselves in terrible circumstances, not because of what they did, but because of what somebody else did. You didn't want him to leave your family, but he did. You could not help it that you were born into poverty. You could not help it that this happened and that happened. It was 
someone else who did something and you just feel like somebody just jerking the rug out from under you all the time. You just, you're, you're right there and then somebody does something. Charlie Brown knew a little bit about that. Let's take a look at Charlie Brown here for a minute. There's Lucy over here. I'll hold the ball, Charlie Brown. You come running up and kick it. I can do that. You can? Absolutely. I have a new positive attitude. I can't believe it. You are truly amazing. You talk the talk and you walk the walk. So here comes old Charlie Brown. He's all souped up. He's ready to kick it. And that little devil, Lucy. Look what she does. Jerks the ball out from under him, but you don't kick the kick. <laughs> Anybody ever felt like the ball's been jerked away from you by times? You knew that that next promotion was yours and it went to somebody else. You knew something good was about to happen and lo and behold, every time something bad happens, just simply the way life is sometimes. So it's true that some people suffer not because of their actions, but because of the actions of others. And such was the case with Mephibosheth. And then sometimes we make our own bed and we have to lie in it. Mephibosheth lived in a place called Lodibar, which means barren land, emptiness, dissatisfaction, wilderness, just existing, not really living. There might be somebody here today that figuratively you're living in a place like Lodibar. If you find any pleasure, it only lasts for about a short while, but for a season. But I would like to introduce you today, this morning, to someone who can give you joy unspeakable. I would like to tell you about someone that can give you pleasure forevermore. I would like to tell you about Jesus who will give you purpose and a life worth living. He'll take your ashes and give you beauty. He'll take your sorrow and turn it to joy. He'll give you peace in the place of fear. And he said that if you would follow him, that he would bless you a hundredfold in this life and in the world to come, eternal life. And that, my friend, is true. This isn't one of those things, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't. This sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Jesus Christ loves you. He gave his blood on Calvary's tree to save you. And he's gone to prepare a place for all of us that someday where he is there, we might be also. But you might say, I see no way out of Lodibar. It won't work for me. But you see, one day out of the blue, Mephibosheth was called to go see the king. You know, our life can change in an instant. In an instant. It can change for good or it can change for bad. When those folks went to work a few days ago there at Kirkersville, they had no idea what that day would bring forth. What terrible tragedy. When they left their families that morning, they fully expected to return home, but such was not the case. But just as evil can change our lives, our lives can also be changed for good. What was the attitude of Mephibosheth upon receiving the call from the king? He came in fear and he came in humility. 
1 Samuel 9, 7 says, do not, David said to him, do not fear, I will show kindness to you for the sake of your father. Jonathan will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself and said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Folks, <clears throat> if we have unrepented sin in our life, and we receive a call from the king. That's somewhat the attitude that we ought to have. Lord, why me? I'm so undeserving. Why would you call for me to sit at your table? Why would you extend mercy and grace unto me? But just as Mephibosheth had no reason or concern for worry, neither should any of us. God may not call you from this earthly world today, but he is calling you out of Lodibar, that dreadful place, because he has a better plan. And what was that plan that David had for Mephibosheth? All that belonged to Saul and to his house I've given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. And you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. He restored to Mephibosheth all that had been taken from him and his family. You see, when you think of the king's house, you think of the finest. I've been a little, little taken aback by the majesty of all in Saudi Arabia that we've been seeing on the news the last, the last day or so. The king's palaces, wow. I told Donna, I said, they got marble driveways. It's just uh, incredible, the wealth and all of that. Can you imagine going from Lodibar to the king's house? From Lodibar to a beautiful place? When you think of the king's house, you think of the finest. He's not eating Raymond noodles. No hamburger helper there. No, sir. I imagine if you wanted a little caviar, you could probably get it at the king's house, don't you think? I wonder if Mephibosheth ever sat around and thought, man, from Lodi Bar to caviar. Pretty good, huh? Let me point out, he was still crippled. He was still crippled. God did not take his crippledness from him. There might be things that have happened to you in this old world that you will carry with you until your dying day both scars physically and spiritually. But you don't have to live in Lodibar. When the king calls, it's supper time. You can take those crippled legs and shuffle to his table and put those legs under what Chuck Swindoll called the tablecloth of grace that covers your crippledness and you sit as a son of the king. Everything that he has is yours. Why would you live in Lodibar when you can live in the king's house and sit at the king's table? Would you stand?